good morning. It's Rob. Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. We are in the second week of our series on the time of Advent. It is, as we discussed last week, as we looked at the first chapter of, of Matthew's gospel, it is, a, it is a remembering and an anticipation of things to come. That's actually what that word Advent means, anticipation or an, anticipating the arrival of something amazing. And we do it here at Gretna by choice as we lead up to Christmas every year. We spend a few weeks focusing on remembering what the people of God anticipated or looked for the arrival of for thousands of years, and that is the Messiah, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came as a baby, an, an innocent baby, and then did incredible things to provide salvation for all of us, whether we deserve it or not, really, because the truth is, we don't. <laughs> And would give ultimately give his life so that we could find salvation from our, ourselves and our own sins and our separation from God to pull back together that relationship. And we anticipate what he is what he is doing now and what he will continue to do. We know, we trust, we believe that he's coming back. We know, we trust, we believe that he has promised to allow us to be with him in heaven if we are willing to trust him to to guide us along the path we are intended to take. And this week, though, we're going to open, instead of the book of Matthew, the book of Mark, uh, with and meet a gentleman named John, John the Baptist. And he's John the Baptist because he, that's right, he baptized people, <laughs> pure and simple, right? If only names weren't that simple today, right? But we're going to meet this guy who, whose goal it was, was to be the declarer of the coming of Jesus Christ in his place and his time. The truth is he, is, he is cousins with Jesus. We actually, we met John, we meet John elsewhere, where we find out he is leaping for joy inside his mother's womb when his mother meets Jesus' mother, Mary. And, and he's just flipping upside down over and over again, excited about what's to come, excited about what's to happen. And as he's grown up, he hasn't lost a bit of that. And John, I think, has a lot to teach us about what it means to be the people of God, what it means to truly anticipate the coming of our Savior and to truly desire that to be an opportunity for everyone else we touch to also see and receive. And at this time of year, especially this time of year, and honestly, especially in this year, we have a really unique opportunity. I can't stress this enough. We have a really unique opportunity to let our light shine as the people of God, to declare him in a way that we maybe never really were courageous enough to declare him before. And the truth is, the world needs it. And it needs us to maybe be a little bit more like John the Baptist than maybe sometimes we are. So let's read. We're going to go to Mark chapter 1. We're going to read Mark 1, 1 through 8 today. It says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make his paths straight. 
John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment and a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever been lost? I mean, like, not Google misdirected you, of course, because I've been down that road, and yes, it stinks, but like legitimately lost. I was reading a story this week about a guy named Andrew Gaskell. He was an Australian engineer who in October of 2016 decided he was going to take two weeks and go to Malaysia and and just go into the jungles of Malaysia and, and get lost on purpose just to see what would happen and where it would go. Can I just tell you, we kind of try to assume that engineers are smart, right? That they wouldn't do something like this, but again, Smart isn't always the uh, litmus test for whether or not we're doing the smart thing, right? And so he goes out and he chooses, he chooses in the middle of the mountains of Malaysia. He climbs up the side of a mountain and he sees pathways in front of him at the top of this mountain. And some of them say, don't go here. And this guy, Andrew, decides, I'm going there. Why not? And he ends up wandering around in the, in, in the jungle and ends up sleeping in a cave. He's there for two weeks with no food and no water. He ran out after a couple of days of all of those things. And he had to try to make his way just to survive. When the rescuers finally found him, he was malnourished, he was dehydrated, and he was covered in leeches all the way up, all the way up his legs. And we might stand here and say, you know, what was that guy thinking? I mean, he got himself into such a pickle. Maybe he kind of deserves what he gets. The problem with that, and the problem that, that the Lord saw, and the problem that he sent Jesus to resolve, is that if, if we were to all get what we deserve, right? Because the truth is, sometimes we choose to go on paths that are not, that are marked as don't go here. We choose to ignore God. We choose to chase idols. We choose to say, we're going to do our own thing and I'm going to take care of mine, even if we know deep down inside that maybe that's not the right thing to do. Even if you don't yet know Jesus, you know, we have a, we have an ingrained conscience that the Lord has given us. We are capable, each and every one of us, because we have a piece of his image in our hearts and souls to make good choices. And yet we regularly find ourselves making choices we know we shouldn't have made. In, in many ways, it's the same decision that Andrew Gaskell made. It's, the, it's the, the decision to choose to go off the path that's been laid out before us, to choose not to do we know, what we know we are supposed to do or we should do or, or even what the right thing is to do. Those choices are called sins. 
John talks about it in what we just read. It says in verse 4, John came baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. It's funny how those things work, where we, we kind of make gradual choices in our lives sometimes, where we, we choose to do what feels good in the moment, knowing we might have to pay a cost down the road. But we choose right now to do this. And then we find out later on that we are way further off course than we ever thought we could be. I can't imagine if you're Andrew Gaskell hearing that voice of your rescuer, right? If you've been stuck, living in a cave, starving for two weeks, covered in leeches, and, and just hearing the voice of your rescuer saying, help is on the way, help is on the way, it's coming. We, are, we, are, we have people in route to airlift you out of here and get you back to life, to, to, to civilization and get you healed up. Andrew still, according to the article I read, still carries some of the scars of that incident. I mean, it was traumatic for him, it was hard for him, but, but as he's moving through life, he is beginning to heal. But that healing begins with responding to the call of his rescuer. It begins with listening for their voice and when they hear the voice, embracing the fact that their rescuer is here for them. And that he's making a way, making his way to them, clearing a path so that they can meet together and they can pull him out. How silly would it be if Andrew had chosen when he heard the voice of his rescuer to say, nope, I'm still doing my own thing. I don't want to be saved right now, right? And yet, I think that can happen to us. But can, can you imagine, really, if we're really, if we really understand that we're not okay right now, that things are bad when we are separated from God, that we are lost, that we have made choices that maybe put us in this pickle, that we need, we need a rescuer. And, and John says this. He repeats out of Isaiah. He says in verse 2, he says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. I'm sending someone to tell you that I'm on my way. I'm coming. I'm clearing a path. I, I will connect with you. I'm coming for you. Even though you may have gotten lost, honestly, on your own by the choices that you've made, I'm still coming for you. And he says, he will prepare your way, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make his paths straight. He also says in verse five that John, the whole Judean countryside responded to this one man's call, this one man's call into the wilderness to say, the Lord is coming, he is here to rescue you. He is preparing a way, and I can help you prepare the path right now. We will baptize you. We will forgive you for your sins, but I'm telling you something greater is coming. Let's get ready for your rescuer. Let's be ready so that he can pick you up and take you where you need to go. And it, yeah, it may be a path you've never seen before, but he can get you there. It even says, if you, if you read it closely in verse 6, John, this, this guy, John wore a camel hair garden with a leather belt in his, at his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine meeting up with this guy out of nowhere 
who is dressed like this and eating like this and saying to yourself, yep, that's the guy I trust. And I think we feel that way because we are easily convinced that anything that is not normal, that is not well understood, is somehow broken or wrong. But can I just tell you something? The truth is, the gospel itself, the idea that that God would give his life to save us, even though we are far from deserving it, is counter-cultural. It's counter to the notion that the world works a certain way and that anything that doesn't fall into that pattern or that category is inherently wrong or broken or bad. And it shouldn't be any surprise that this man who's calling people to God is designed to be anything but like everybody else. And yet, I think we spend so much of our time trying to be like everybody else, trying not to look silly, right? Trying not to to step outside of the norm because we might get picked out or we might get told that we're weird. I think John got over that. I think I think John was so passionate about what he was there to do, the message he was there to carry that he didn't really give a hoot about what anybody else thought of him other than the Lord. And I think sometimes if we really want to be the people that God is intending us to be, and if we really want to see others saved as we have been saved, then we have a similar call on us. We have to be willing to set aside our fears. We have to be willing to set aside our concerns and be courageous enough to be a little more like John, especially right now. Clearing a path for our Savior to work in us and releasing our fears to him, setting aside our own pride and our own concerns, being less concerned about how others see us and more concerned about helping ourselves and others get what we all need, and that is our Savior. In this time, in this season especially, hearts are open right now to hear of a rescuer. Because let's remember what John was proclaiming, that we are also blessed to be able to proclaim. And that's verse 7 and 8 here where it says, He proclaimed, One who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that just the message of who we represent and who we are to proclaim madly and sometimes wildly, but no matter what, with love and with a focus on what really, really matters, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray that in this season, that you will, you and I both will do just that. That we will set aside our fears, we will set aside our concerns, that we will be courageous, and that we will proclaim with shouts of joy (laughs) the coming of our Lord and Savior, because that is what we all need. He is our rescuer, the one and only, and we all need him. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he grant you favor and give you peace. God bless.